Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. At the end of the year, we will be leaving Facebook. Not Twitter yet. Twitter hasn't been pounding us, but we will be leaving Facebook by the end of the year. So if you want to join us and see what's going on, you need to come over to Parlor. And it's driving the liberal media nuts. They keep pointing out, Mr. Mark Levin's the right-wing radio. Don't worry about them. They're a bunch of slobs and morons. At Mark Levin Show. Go to Parlor at Mark Levin Show. We want to get over 3 million followers over there. But by the end of the year, I'm out of Facebook. You won't be seeing anything posted on Facebook anymore. Zuckerberg, in my view, is corrupt. He's used his billion-dollar enterprise as a propaganda machine like we've never seen in this country before. And then I'm going to discuss another article about him in which he put hundreds of millions of dollars out through washing it through organizations to get out Democrat votes in the inner cities. So he's become sort of the George Soros of big tech. He may even have more influence than George Soros. But he is using you and abusing you. He's using your data. He's selling it. He's making a fortune for himself while he's undermining the country. Mr. Producer, why don't you invite... Mr. Zuckerberg on the program. I'm quite serious. Let's see if he'll show up. I turn on the TV and I hear again, there's not enough evidence of fraud, massive fraud to change the election results. Now look how the media narrative has changed, Mr. Producer. First they said, where's the evidence of fraud? Now they want to know where's the evidence of massive fraud. I heard some guy on radio today popping off about these law firms he read in the New York Times 
who are undermining the president and that these people shouldn't be speaking to the media. He couldn't be more correct. But what he doesn't know, because he doesn't make an effort to find out, is in the field, there are hundreds and hundreds of patriotic Trump supporter lawyers who are volunteering their time, not paid one damn penny, from all over the country, who are litigating these cases. There may be these big law firms that are involved in overseeing and so forth, but all the dirty grunt work, all the shoe leather is not being done by them. It's being done by hundreds and hundreds of patriots who love Trump just as much as everybody else does. It's outrageous for somebody to go into public airways and trash all these patriots. Yes, trash the individual law firms mentioned in the New York slimes or the Washington Compost. But it is dispiriting and disheartening to people who've put aside their lives, who've taken a leave of absence from their jobs, and have gone to cities like Philadelphia and Atlanta and Las Vegas and Detroit, scores of them, contributing their time because they want the President of the United States to be successful, and they want to get to the bottom of this. So let me correct that record, number one. Number two, there's a filing that was just made in Pennsylvania that is filled with sworn affidavits about systemic fraud and systemic constitutional violations under the Equal Protection Clause, as was announced in the Bush-Gore case in 2000. What do you expect lawyers to do but that? You think you're going to find an email that says, hey, Frank, here's 200,000 empty ballots. Vote them all for Biden. Wow, look what we found, ladies and gentlemen. What kind of fantasy land is this? They have institutionalized the fraud. They are facing, in many cases, liberal Democrat judges. It's the judges who are the problem, not the lawyers who are filing these cases. Maybe people ought to read them before they trash the lawyers who are actually in the field, who have volunteered for Trump, who were asked by the Trump campaign to come out and help. These big mouths, what exactly have they done? Nothing. And one of them, who's breaking her back, working 20 hours a day, doing interviews and affidavits, happens to be my wife. And she's not sabotaging anything. The President of the United States adores her as she does him. So I just want to be clear about that. These people are working so hard, day and night, interviewing over the weekend, because you've got to separate the gossip and the falsehoods and the setups from reality. It's not so simple. It doesn't move so fast. But this filing in Pennsylvania, I'll give you a taste. It's over 100 pages in length, and it's the first one. There'll be others. This isn't the one with the, uh, with the Supreme Court either. And this is why Biden makes his fascistic statement today, that's enough, let's put an end to this. This is why the media pretend that fraud's not being found. Ladies and gentlemen, there's fraud everywhere. Everywhere they're looking, whether it's Las Vegas or Atlanta, whether it's Detroit or Philadelphia, they're finding lots and lots of fraud. The extent of it becomes very difficult for 15 or 20 lawyers in a metropolitan area to determine, particularly when the Democrat machines are blocking them and when they're up against liberal judges. But this has to be fixed. And Lindsey Graham's right. I'm glad he listens to my program. 
we're never going to win a damn presidency. And we're going to start losing the Senate and House, and we'll never get them back. They're trying to create in this nation what they've created in California. California was the most vibrant two-party state that you can imagine. And they elected Republican governors. You couldn't elect a Republican dog catcher in California today. That's exactly what they want to do to the United States. And I don't care if the media don't see it, even supposed media friends. Who cares? This is the reality. So there'll never be enough examples of fraud to convince the media because the media are frauds. They didn't have one scintilla of evidence on the Russia hoax. But it didn't matter. It ought to seriously be up to the cities and the states to demonstrate that their systems are fraud-proof. And now when you say that, well, every election has fraud. In other words, they always have the answers. They always defend the criminality, the fraud, and their own conduct. But let me give you an example. Now, this is over 100 pages, and I can't read it. American citizens deserve fair elections. Every legal, not illegal, vote should be counted. And no government power, be it state or federal, may deny American citizens the right to observe the process by which votes are cast, processed, and tabulated. We must protect our democracy with complete transparency. And they go through the history of this and the history in Pennsylvania. Then they go on. Allegheny and Philadelphia counties alone received a process 682,479 mail-in and absentee ballots without review by the political parties and candidates. These are unprecedented numbers in Pennsylvania's elections history. Rather than engaging in an open and transparent process, by the way, compelled by state law, to give credibility to Pennsylvania's brand new voting system, the processes were hidden during the receipt, review, opening, and tabulation of those 682,479 votes in direct contribution, contravention of Pennsylvania's election law. Now let's stop there. So the media would say, but you haven't proven fraud. You're locked out of the damn system, and then they say you haven't proven fraud. Allegheny and Pennsylvania counties, they're the most populous in the state, conducted the canvassing and tabulation in convention center rooms and placed observers far away from the action. In the case of Philadelphia, even when an emergency order was issued requiring them to provide meaningful access to representatives, Philadelphia failed to comply. Now, when I post these things on Facebook, Zucker turd and his army of liars and propagandists say I'm posting false information. This is in a pleading. This is in a filing with a court. Worse, Democratic heavy counties violated the mandates of the election code and the determinations of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, advantaging voters in Democratic heavy counties as compared to those in Republican heavy counties. Democrat-heavy counties engaged in pre-canvas activities prior to November 3rd by reviewing received mail-in ballots for deficiencies such as lacking the inner secrecy envelope or lacking a signature of the elector on the outer declaration envelope. Those offending counties then would notify those voters in order to allow them to cure their ballot deficiencies by voting provisionally on election day or canceling their previously mailed ballot and issuing a replacement. In other words, 
those heavily Democratic counties, not the Republican counties, provided their mail-in voters with the opportunity to cure mail-in and absentee ballot deficiencies, while Republican-heavy counties followed the law and did not provide a notice or cure process, disenfranchising those that themselves complied with the election code uh, case legal issues. Well, Mark, where's the evidence of fraud, Mr. Producer? You believe this? Now, this is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the Federal Constitution. Because two citizens in Pennsylvania are treated differently, depending on their party affiliation and depending on where they live. That's in Bush versus Gore. Quote, the right to vote is is protected in more than the initial allocation of the franchise, equal protection applies as well to the manner of its exercise. Having once granted the right to vote on equal terms, the state may not, by later arbitrary and disparate treatment, value one person's vote over that of another. From Bush versus Gore, United States Supreme Court decision. As evidenced by numerous sworn statements... Now, these are under penalty of perjury. Defendants' egregious misconduct has included ignoring legislative mandates concerning mail-in ballots, which amounted to over 2.6 million of the approximately 6.75 million votes in Pennsylvania, including the mandate that mail-in ballots be postmarked on or before Election Day, and critically, preventing plaintiffs' poll watchers from observing the receipt, review, opening, and tabulation of mail-in ballots. Those mail-in ballots are evaluated on an entirely parallel track to those ballots cast in person. I'll read you a little more when we come back, but this is only, what have I read? Four pages from a 103-page brief. If you're a serious reporter or host, and you're reading this, are you not concerned about what happened in Pennsylvania, Mr. Producer? You're going to yell, where's the fraud? Is there enough extensive fraud to change the vote? And then you have Biden. Biden, who acts like a fascist standing up there, the president-elect. He's not the president-elect. He's still the same dummy and the same moron that he was before. But notice how not a single media outlet has read to you what I have. Not a single legal analyst or former federal prosecutor has gone on the air and read to you what I have. I'm on page four of a 103-page brief in one state. Well, where's your evidence? Shocking. Four pages filled with evidence of systemic, oh, I like that word, and institutionalized lawlessness. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. 
Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. When the Democrats and their surrogates litigated prior to this election, even really up to Election Day, their entire purpose was to institutionalize and legalize what used to be fraud and to destroy many of the safeguards that states had in place. And, uh, and so the problem is, you, you have extensive examples of fraud, and then they come back, the media, as if they're being handed talking points by the Biden campaign and the Democrats and their surrogates, but you can't prove how much fraud, you'd have to overturn elections and so forth and so on. So they've created, they've created an environment where it's extraordinarily difficult to get the information. People are trying to get the information, but they've set it up. So fraud is potentially legalized, quote-unquote, or extremely difficult, the extent of it, to determine in a, in a relatively short period of time. And then they say, see that? You don't have any evidence. They don't care about violations of equal protection. They don't care about systemic changes in election laws that are changed for the purpose of allowing fraud. On election day, when the Trump campaign, the brief goes on, Poll watchers were present and allowed to observe in various poll locations throughout the Commonwealth. They observed and reported numerous instances of election workers failing to follow the statutory mandates relating to two critical requirements, among other issues. One, a voter's right to spoil their mail-in ballot at their polling place on election day and to then vote in person. And two, the ability for voters to vote provisionally on election day when a mail-in ballot had already been received from them, but when they did not cast those mail-in ballots. So they, excuse me, received for them. So they got a mail-in ballot, but they didn't cast it. So they came in an election day. And what's the concern? Well, the concern is there's two votes by somebody else and the person who comes in person. There's no way to check these things. Because in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court ruled you don't need any postage and you don't need any signature. That is postage stamp. Plaintiffs have learned that certain county election boards were mailing unsolicited mail-in ballots to voters. Despite the fact they had not applied for them in Pennsylvania, they don't send unsolicited mail-in ballots. It's not California. But they were being sent to individuals. So you look at one pattern after another pattern after another pattern. Somebody in some groups in some political party was doing all of this. These things don't just all happen by accident. That's the point. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association 
dating way back to 1844. Commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Now let's look at some of these so-called battleground states. Let's look at Pennsylvania. Six, about 6.6 million people have voted in Pennsylvania. And according to the count, what's put out, and this is by Fox, uh, Biden's ahead by 48,000 votes. So that means if 24,001 votes switch from one to the other, Trump wins Pennsylvania. So this is why they're looking at everything very carefully. When you hear people say, you're going to need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of votes in Pennsylvania. No, you don't. 25, 26,000 votes flip. He's won Pennsylvania. Right, Mr. Producer? If the Supreme Court does its job, if these justices have enough guts to actually embrace and follow the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, I've introduced this to America. I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face. If they uphold that, that could be 25,000 votes there. And if those people are quote-unquote disenfranchised, first of all, some of them are dead, so they won't be disenfranchised. Some of them have voted twice. They have no good security system anymore in Pennsylvania. The Democrats and the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania succeeded. That said, that's on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. That's on the governor. That's on the Secretary of State. All of those who insisted on violating the Constitution by their own decrees, by their own fiats. Like some third world country in Pennsylvania. That's on them. That's not on the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court rules as it should, it ought to make that point. That state courts and governors and secretaries of state don't get to willy-nilly violate and reinterpret Article 2, Section 1 Clause 2 of the Constitution of the United States. Not today and not tomorrow. Otherwise, they will be reading that provision right out of the Constitution. And they will rue the day, the Supreme Court, when that happens. You know what else is interesting? The Democrats win in Georgia and take the United States Senate. The same justices who are ruling will see that their court is forever changed. Because they'll have the House, they'll have the Senate, and then they'll have, they think, the presidency. God forbid if that happens. And they've already said they're going to change the Supreme Court. They're going to add a bunch of seats. And what they mean by that is they're going to turn it into a Democrat Party appendage. They're going to destroy its independence in our constitutional order. So if these judges don't, justices on the court don't wake the hell up and understand what's in, in, uh, in store for the whole country, let alone their own branch of the government, we're going to lose them. So the first way back is for this court, which is supposed to be independent, which isn't supposed to be reading all the political 
uh, newspapers and tea leaves and listening. They should look at what's in front of them. That provision of the Constitution is among the clearest in the whole document. So that's Pennsylvania. Let's take a look at Arizona. Arizona, about 3.3 million people voted. And the differential is what, Mr. Producer? It looks like 14,000? That's it. 14,000. I don't know what's going on in Arizona, if there's litigation, but if there is, that means a switch of 7,000 people makes the difference. 25,000 in Pennsylvania, 7,000 in Arizona. Georgia. Now look at this. Georgia. Almost 5 million people voted. And the differential between Biden and the president, according to the Fox News counters, is 12,500 votes. Again, nobody's analyzing this like me. Just stick with me because I've, I've done this all my life, the Constitution and so forth. So that means a switch of about 6,300 votes in Georgia and the president, under these calculations, wins. Take a look at Michigan. About 5.4 million people voted. It's a bigger differential. It's 145,000. So again, split it in half. Take a look at Nevada. I never thought Trump was going to win Nevada. Nevada's too tough. But people there are saying, look, when you listen to Adam Laxalt, who was the Attorney General, and Matt Schlapp, these are not, these are serious men. These are not uh, conspiracy theorists. You've got to pay attention to what they say. Over 1.2 million votes and a differential of 37,000. North Carolina, I have no idea why they're not calling North Carolina for the president. The president of the United States in North Carolina is 70,000 votes ahead of Biden, according to the Fox News numbers. But then look at this. Wisconsin. Over 2.2 million people voted. The differential, according to the, again, the Fox numbers, is 20,000. So the differential in Wisconsin is 20,000. The differential in Georgia is 12,500. Trump has already won North Carolina. They're sitting on their hands. Same with Alaska. And then I've told you about Pennsylvania. At some great length. If the justices do their job. The president of the United States has a real shot at Pennsylvania. I don't know how many votes were counted. Or received ballots. Received mail-on ballots after 8 p.m. Eastern time. On election night. But every damn one of them. Is an illegal vote in violation of the federal constitution because of the illegal conduct of the state Supreme Court. It's on them. And that would send a signal throughout the country for another hundred years, don't screw with the election process in the United States. And so now I've explained this to you. It's an uphill battle for the president. Because of the courts, 
because he has to bring these suits, because the Democrats have been bringing suits and winning many suits for a year in order to change the election system, to enshrine their fraudulent beliefs and conduct, which is exactly what uh, Kaylee was trying to explain last night. McInerney. And um, you can see that the President of the United States is fighting a righteous battle. It's an absolutely righteous battle. So when Joe Biden's up there like a tin-horned dictator, talking to you about his cabinet, talking to you about the virus, what he's going to... He's not doing anything, folks. He's just sitting there talking. He's trying to put together a shadow government. We don't put together shadow governments in this country. They want Trump to concede and start a transition process. Well, that's not what George Bush did in 2000. That's not what Al Gore wanted to do in 2000. That's absurd. Look at the close elections, the disputed elections in our history. The candidates who thought they won or presidents who were running for re-election all of a sudden turned the federal government over to the other party? Of course not. Biden has to earn this. Maybe he did. But because of the actions of the Democrat Party, because of the actions of the Biden campaign, because of the actions of their surrogates in one state after another, because of the misconduct of Democrat judges and Democrat governors and Democrat secretaries of state, we have a problem on our hands. That has to be addressed whether we like it or not. So the media keep going around talking about President-elect Biden, and Biden's going around acting like he's a shadow president. And they're trying to build pressure on the judges and the justices from the outside, as if it's all over. Don't bother with these lawsuits. Throw them out. It's a fait accompli. You don't want to reverse the course of the election. You don't want to disenfranchise voters. You can see what's going on now. This is worse than the Russia hoax. This is is an election hoax. Because they will not allow the process to go forward. And these judges need to rule based on the law and the Constitution. And I'm very concerned that they won't. Given the fact that so many of these courts acceded to the demands of their own party and violated the Constitution and changed the safeguards to ensure that Joe Biden would get elected President of the United States. The establishment. I want to tell Sidney McCain something. I want you to understand something, Mrs. McCain. The 71 million voters who voted for Donald Trump... 80, 90% of them voted for your husband for president. And you for first lady. And you stabbed every one of them in the back. Because of the personal tiff you have with the president. And yet what you don't admit is it was your family that started it. It was Senator McCain who sent his staffer overseas to get a copy of the dossier from Christopher Steele. It was that staffer who gave a copy to the FBI to direction of your husband. He also gave a copy to the State Department and other departments of the government. Because John McCain says that he felt he had an obligation. No. 
John McCain was trying to destroy Donald Trump. And that's why Donald Trump has been so furious at John McCain. Now somebody has finally told the truth about this. I've done it several times. While you, while you act like it was Donald Trump who was the problem. And now you tell us to all unite behind Joe Biden, who continues to call us names. Why would we listen to you, Mrs. McCain? Why would we listen to you? You said today that your husband would be pleased with the outcome. I don't have any doubt that he would be. But I want you to know something else, Mrs. McCain. My father, thank God, was never a POW. I can't imagine what your husband went through. And I have said time and again behind this microphone that John McCain was a war hero. But I've also said that politically he's been a disaster. he was a disaster. They're two different things. You can respect somebody's service and reject their politics. But my father passed away two years ago. He was a veteran of World War II. And he would be disgusted with the outcome of this election. And he'd be disgusted with what you did, Mrs. Mrs. McCain. I'm just letting you know. And my grandfather, my mother's father, who also served in World War II and fought in Iwo Jima and fought in Guam, he would be disgusted by the outcome too. Disgusted. And he would be disgusted with Republicans like Kasich and Ridge and Romney and Flake and Hogan and another list of horribles who would either back or undermine the Trump candidacy or back the Biden candidacy. Because I don't know about your husband, you can tell us, but my family, and more than them, more than the men I mentioned, they went to war to save this republic and the Constitution and our individual liberty and our economic system. You backed a man in Joe Biden and his running mate, Kamala Harris, and a party that rejects all of it. I would say that's your problem. You have to live with it. The problem is now we all have to live with it. Except those of us who are fighting right now, including the President of the United States and all those hardworking lawyers on the ground. On the ground. Not in the big blue-ticket law firms. The ones on the ground doing the grunt work. Are trying to save this republic still. And I don't think they appreciate your declarations and pronouncements, Mrs. McCain. Or the other Republicans. So-called. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association 
dating way back to 1844. Commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right, I want you to do me two favors, and yourselves too. Happens to work out for both of us. I want you to go over to my parlor site and follow me as soon as possible, because I'm getting angry with these Facebook guys. You go to parlor, P-A-R-L-E-R, and at Mark Levin Show, at Mark L-E-V-I-N Show. It's that simple. It takes two seconds. These are patriotic people who run this site. They want everybody to have their say. There's no censorship. None of it. Zuckerberg, in my view, is corrupt. Absolutely corrupt with his conduct and what he's doing. So please come over, follow me, go to Parlor at Mark Levin Show. It's that simple. Number two, I want you to down, download the app to my podcast. Doesn't mean you ever have to use it, but I want you to have it. Because one day I'm just going to be a podcaster. It's four or five years from now, I suppose. But let's, let's do this. Go to MarkLevinShow.com, MarkLevinShow.com, click on the audio rewind. It's the middle of the top of the homepage, right there. It's three clicks and you're in. That'll take you to the podcast page, and then you pick the podcast you want. I think our favorite one is Apple Podcast, isn't it, Mr. Producer? But there's Google Podcast. I'm not big on them. There's Stitcher, which is very good, but there's Apple Podcast. So all of you have been thinking about it. All of you, well, I got a radio in the car. Well, I got a radio at the dinner table. I got it. But please join us on the podcast. You never know. I'm going to become increasingly independent. Increasingly independent. On all my broadcast platforms. So you need to stick with So join us on the podcast, if you will. Man, oh, Manischewitz, is that, is that the best deal? These are wonderful, wonderful people who treat you with respect. They'll treat you with compassion. They'll treat you like a human being. 888-900-1828. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm locked and loaded. We got a lot more to do. Please come back. I'll be here, and I'll see you in a minute. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, There's not a reporter... In the Washington, D.C. or Manhattan areas who are going to read the brief, the Pennsylvania brief. Because it's too long for them. They have an attention span of a gnat. But I want to draw your attention to page 23 of this brief. This is a fascinating brief. And I've posted it on uh, 
all my sites. I'll call it my parlor site. Mark Levin Show at, at Mark Levin Show on Parlor. They say, according to the Carter-Baker report, mail-in voting is, quote, the largest source of potential voter fraud. Many well-regarded commissions and groups of diverse political affiliation agree that when election fraud occurs, it usually arises from absentee ballots, quote-unquote. And then they cite a court, and they say, and this is the Seventh Circuit, an appellate court, a federal court. As one federal court put it, quote, absentee voting is to voting in person, as a take-home exam is to a proctored one. A proctored exam where you're being watched, a take-home exam where you're not being watched. That's a good way to put it. And when you take away signatures, and you take away postal dates, that is an abomination. Again, I want you to think about yourself maybe in the third world. Think about this as the third world where we have votes, where we have courts, Democrat courts that rule that you don't need a signature to vote and you don't need a post date to make sure you get it on time. And it doesn't matter. We're going to add three more days to count. You go, wait a minute. What kind of vote is this? Of course, Saddam Hussein gets 99%. We're not talking about Saddam Hussein. We're not talking about Iraq. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about Pennsylvania. We're talking about Georgia. We're talking about other states. This isn't how you hold legitimate elections. This is why 71 million of us are never going to accept these results. It's not on us to prove every instance of fraud. Once the fraud has been institutionalized and enshrined in the system... This is grotesque. And this was done to help Biden. It was help, done to help the Democrat Party because it was their lawyers. It was Biden's lawyers, the Democrat Party's lawyers, and their left-wing surrogate groups. It's their courts. It's their governors. They've all done this. We didn't do this. They did this. Throughout the country. Absentee voting is to voting in person as a take-home exam is to a proctored one. Now that's absentee voting. Imagine mail-in voting. Well, there's really no safety, no safeguards. And imagine states that actually mail out the ballots to their voter lists, which are corrupted lists. So somebody definitely can get two, three, four, five votes. And you know what? You'll never catch up with them. So when you hear the idiot Secretary of State in Georgia say, yeah, we're going to have some fraudulent votes, maybe a lot, but not enough to make a difference. Because they can't catch them anymore because the rules have changed. The rules have changed. Now already, just six days in, an enormous amount of fraud has been demonstrated in these filings. And more to come. And yet for 10 years, 20 years, we were told there's not fraudulent voting by the left and the media and the Democrats. There's not fraudulent. You have no evidence of that. Now the answer, you don't have enough evidence. Oh, 
You didn't catch us, so you can't find enough evidence. You, we changed the system, ha, ha, ha. We changed it. We camouflaged this stuff. We got smoke screens all over the place, instituted by judges and governors and boards of election and secretary of states, man. We got these landmines all over the place. You're never going to catch us. That's what they really mean. You're not going to catch us. Isn't there a presumption of fraud when, when they don't allow Republicans in to watch the count? Isn't there a presumption of fraud when you don't have to have a signature, a signature match, or a postal date stamped on the envelope? Isn't there a presumption of fraud when they throw the outside envelope away so you can't match the ballot with the envelope? Isn't there a presumption of fraud when Republicans are pushed out of the voting pro- of the uh, overseeing process? Isn't there a presumption of fraud when a Secretary of State in heavily Democrat areas directs them to cure the ballots that are where there are mistakes or where there are or, or gaps in the in the uh, voting, but not the Republican counties? Is that not a violation of the Equal Protection Clause? You can't catch us. Catch us if you can. We have the media on our side. We have the Democrats on our side. We got a whole bunch of courts on our side. We got John Roberts on our side. Three Democrat Supreme Court justices. And we don't think the other five have the guts to actually uphold the Constitution. We'll accuse them of suppression and oppression. We'll accuse them of of disenfranchisement and being racist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, We're ready. Catch us if you can. America's newsrooms, they know how to sing, man. They're our chorus. They got a whole chorus line going there. Where's the fraud? Okay, there's not enough fraud. You're going to need to overturn the election. The, the stakes just keep it higher, higher, higher. And there's Joe Biden. I'm president. Why won't Trump just give in? I'm the president. I'm the president. I'm appointing commissions left and right. I'm making calls to foreign leaders. I'm... All kinds of stuff. Get my cabinet ready. Why won't they help us? Why won't they make it a smooth transition like, uh, like Bush versus Gore? Oh, that didn't happen. Like Obama with Trump. Oh, that didn't happen. Did it? Should Biden be impeached? Oh, the libs are going to go nuts. Should Biden be impeached? He didn't even, it's not just a phone call with the head of the Ukraine. It's his son and China and the enrichment of the Biden family. Should Biden be impeached? Now we don't have enough votes in the House, but shouldn't we be discussing that? Remember? Remember we could go back and Google, and now they'll be able to Google me. Remember? Look at this. They want to impeach him even before he's sworn in. Yeah, they did. And they talk about the Trump supporters. And they put us down. Look at these punks who are the Biden supporters. Look at these puke rioters in the street. Look at these bastards. Burning down buildings. Attacking the cops. Those are Biden's supporters. That's his base. They think they're better than us. We're the ones paying for half of them to go to college. We're the ones paying for the government in most cases, not all. That subsidize these Democrats. And I don't just mean in poor areas. I mean in wealthy areas. Wealthy areas are subsidized all the time. Fact. Wealthy areas. Wealthy white areas with liberals. They're subsidized more than the inner cities as far as I can tell. 
Yeah, you and I, you who make the country work, who grow the food, who package the food, who transport the food, they want to cut you out of the vote because you're not in a big city. Big cities, they're the ones that are going to control us, don't you know? Big blue states, they're going to control us, don't you know? So you people who grow the food and harvest the food and package the food, and you truckers who transport the food, you don't have a right to vote. Who the hell do you think you are? See, this equal protection argument in Pennsylvania is crucial. And then we hear these legal analysts on TV. Those who aren't busy doing other things, if you get my drift. We hear these legal analysts on TV. What do they say? Look at these judges. They threw out this case and this case. They don't tell you what case they threw out. They don't tell you what what the plaintiffs, that is what the president's lawyers have said. They just want you to believe that all these lawsuits are frivolous. They're not frivolous. They may be before frivolous judges who are demanding information that they know that the plaintiff can't, can't provide, but the judge can order the information. Any judge can issue an order to the state, to the Board of Elections, to produce the information. Any judge. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. One of our favorites, Daniel Horowitz of The Blaze. Daniel, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, Mark. Tough times ahead. I'm glad it's not Friday night or we'd never get a hold of you, obviously. Well, I'm here and live yes, you now, are. but I'm telling you, Mark, we do live in tough times. All right, listen to me. We all don't want to do a uh, Jim Jones here. I want to I talk to you about the state legislatures. <laughs> Why is it so hard for the, uh, the, the so-called beautiful people to understand the power of the state legislatures. And why do I? You too. But I seem to be singled out and attacked for pointing out what the Constitution says and the power of the legislatures when these fools who do the attacking claim that, you know, the Constitution doesn't mean anything and then they pretend they're waving it around. Explain. Sure. People forget that the state legislatures created our government. They created the constitutional uh, Congress. They con- created the committees of correspondence that eventually drafted the Declaration of Independence. And obviously, when we had the Constitution written and they were debating how we should choose the president, there was almost never a thought given that would suggest that we would have popular elections. 
it was always understood that it would be some sort of mix of state legislatures and Congress signing off on the process, and they debated and groped in the darkness to figure out how they would do it. But it was very clear that they wanted republicanism, that extra layer of representative democracy, not full democracy. Now, obviously, after the states eventually ratified the Constitution and our government was adopted, they did start to allow the people to vote in popular elections, and I think we, we all appreciate them. But ultimately, when the Constitution says that the state legislators choose those electors, it means what it says. And the Supreme Court has said this uh, on numerous occasions throughout our history. They have full authority, and they do not need the sign-off of the governor. All right. Now, I don't believe there's a state legislature in the country that's prepared to do that. That said... All they're arguing now is we put in place a statute, election laws, in conformity with Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Federal Constitution. That's being violated by these other entities, the governor, the Secretary of State, the State Supreme Court. So they're arguing just count the ballots up to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All the other ballots are illegal and they're unconstitutional because what the state Supreme Court did at the prodding of the Democrat governor is illegal and unconstitutional and that cannot be rewarded or then the Supreme Court will no longer be independent the US Supreme Court it'll be violating that article and we'll never get it back because they're gonna read it out of the Constitution isn't that true that's exactly right and 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 the state legislatures have that opportunity by reclaiming their independence to actually prevent the courts from being tainted themselves, because this is the way they could say, look, you guys nullified our laws, laws duly passed by state legislatures. Now we are going to reclaim our power of oversight over the process. And again, we're not talking about running before we walk, going ahead and just picking the electors immediately. We're talking about them convening committees convening a session, investigating it. This is not just a judicial process. This is a political process. And they need to start debating this in public and saying, hey, did we have ballot harvesting that was illegal in Pennsylvania? Did we have votes that were counted that didn't have valid signatures or other uh, elements of the mail-in ballots that weren't filled out correctly? This is why we elect these people. And if they don't want to do it, I don't know why they run so emphatically um, every two years, only to do nothing. And they have a very serious equal protection argument in Pennsylvania and these other states. And I, I've given this example on the air. I think it was picked up by the lawyers there. I've given these examples before, given Bush versus Gore in 2000, and it's this, Daniel. When you have mail-in voting, those votes are counted now past 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Past 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Say what we will, even about the lack of signatures, the last, lack of postal dates. If I get in line to vote in Pennsylvania at 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm told I don't get the vote. I'm out of line. So if I go in person, there's a firm deadline. If I do the mail-in vote, there's three days later. To even count it, I should say. Well, even to vote, if you don't have a signature, you don't have a postage, you don't know when the guys voted. But all that said, so... That is, that is clear that in-person voting is treated differently than mail-in voting. And when you have a Secretary of State in Pennsylvania also, who in only the bluest of the blue areas is directing county boards of elections 
to cure the ballots, that is to contact the individuals even before the ballots are counted and finalized, but they receive them, to tell the voter how to cure their ballot. But in the red areas, they're not told the same thing. That, too, is a violation of the Federal Equal Protection Clause. Your points. You know, when Congress first passed the federal election law in 1845, if you look at some of the debate in that Congress, they actually made these points that we need one uniform day to hold those elections, because if you start holding a protracted period of electioneering, it will allow speculation and it will allow for some of these um, mischievous acts. And they knew about it. And look, you know, we had mail-in fraud in the 1864 election with the military, some people trying to, to juice up the votes for McClellan. So this was well-known. Even Chris Wallace said during the debate that because of the mail-ins, we're going to be counting and not know the outcome until after Election Day. It's kind of funny how now they're trying to run out the clock, and suddenly they're saying, well, hey, this is no different than any other year. We should already know who's the, who's the president. But they knew that this would go on for days, but that in itself is likely unconstitutional and against federal law, much less state law. Isn't it also interesting, Daniel Horowitz of The Blaze, isn't it also interesting that they're trying to destroy the Supreme Court if they win these two Senate races in Georgia? Chuck Schumer has told us he's going to change America. One of the things they're going to do is, is destroy the independence of the Supreme Court. They're going to turn it into an ideological Politburo for the Democrats. They're going to add seats on that court. They're going to pack that court. So if the Supreme Court fails to actually follow the Constitution and uphold Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, because as you know, that applies to these Senate races too. It applies to all the races in the federal races in these states. The Supreme Court could actually be nailing shut its own coffin, couldn't it? Well, it's funny that Chief Justice John Roberts seems to operate on the assumption that by deviating from the Constitution, he's going to keep the court out of the political system, but then now he's going to become a victim of it. That's exactly right. And I'd say this is also why those Republican legislators listening here in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, they need to realize this is not just about reclaiming the Article Two powers over the electors, but this is in general about making state legislatures great again and serving as a bulwark against this potential use They're of cowards, but I want to raise, if I can hold you over, I want to raise sure. another question. Think about it, which is this. I don't want it to happen. I want the Supreme Court to do its damn job. But the potential exists that if this governor unconstitutionally certifies the Biden electors, that the state legislature can certify the other electors. I want to discuss that with you on a... Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Here with Daniel Horowitz of The Blaze, one of the great young thinkers and superstars, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I know this drives the left nuts, but they're nuts to begin with, so they don't have too far to drive, do they, uh, do they Mr. Horowitz? So I would say this. Is it conceivable that the Republican legislature says, you know what? We're going to follow Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution, whether our Supreme Court does, whether our governor does, whether our Secretary of State does, and I hope this isn't the case, but whether our U.S. Supreme Court does. 
because we have the ultimate highest authority, period. Nobody, no other entity does. So while the governor is certifying the Biden electors, you know what? We're going to send Congress the Trump electors and we'll let them sort it out. Now, that's not going to get Trump the presidency, but they could do that, right? They absolutely can do that. And the truth be told, they would be in the constitutional right, not the governor's. Um, again, the Supreme mm-hmm. Court has said in McPherson v. Blacker, 1892, that their determination is final, irrespective of any statute of delegated authority they may have given the governor or the secretary of state over the years or a state Supreme Court. Their slate really is final. And again, it's all going to depend on how convincing the case is. So this is very much a political argument as much as it is a legal argument, but it's important to have that legal prerogative in the back of our minds. Alternatively, what they could do is threaten the governor and say, look, what we would like to do is have a new election in these states and have this election without mail-ins, without ballot harvesting, and have a fair election. Now that, the governor would have to sign off on a new election law, but if he All right, he's not going to do that. He's but not but do then that. they could leverage it by saying, if you don't do that, then we will appoint the electors. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not going to do it. So the state legislature really needs to be thinking about what it's willing to do. You know, I tried to get the speaker on the show the other day, and he won't come on the show, Mr. Uh, uh, Daniel Horowitz. That's not a good sign. Well, the speaker, I, the speaker of the uh, of the of the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania. Why? Well, I'm not going to bite him. I'm just going to walk through this with him. I mean, in general, in some of these states, the, the legislators have been in the witness protection program all year mm-hmm. with all of this uh, coronavirus fascism, uh, sacking of civil liberties. Again, I mean, they, they need to get on the playing field no matter what. No matter what, they need to convene a session, have hearings, make it, make it public, and that's the beauty of the legislative process and sausage over the judicial process. People get to weigh in and uh, meet with their representatives. They walk among the people. And I think that is the most transparent process. And if at the end of that process we see a bunch of fraud, I think that will become apparent. And if we don't, that will become apparent, too, and and Biden would win. I know, but the first thing is first, which is votes that are cast illegally and unconstitutionally need to be removed. If I do an in-person vote and I try to do it at 8, 10 p.m. in in Pennsylvania, it doesn't count. Exactly. And, 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 Mark, I think the important thing is that this is not a matter of the courts deciding who the president is. This is a matter of the Supreme Court curing the problems created by the lower courts, exactly. lower federal courts in some cases and, and state courts in other cases. Although the courts and the media do seem very anxious to choose our next president, don't they? Yeah, it's funny. They, they seem to always want to get involved whenever the media says it's okay. But uh, that, that's why the left is going so crazy about the state legislative option. They love... They love censorship. They love the power being out of our hands or out of the hands of elected representatives. And they're the ones who always love taking election law to the courts. And yet, let's look at this dichotomy. They're trying to destroy these, the uh, Electoral College with this national popular vote. They say that's not fair. It's not fair that these legislatures and this complicated process, choosing electors, and then they go into courts... In Pennsylvania and Michigan and Georgia, all over the country, arguing what? The court needs to change the laws that were passed by the representatives of the people. So it really is this Marxist ends justify the means, isn't it? Exactly. Remember, we had 32 states rule on defining marriage as between a man and a woman. 
but suddenly those popular votes didn't seem to matter too much in the winner-take-all judicial uh, sweepstakes. Yeah. Well, if the Supreme Court doesn't put its foot down, then we'll never have legitimate or elections that people can believe in again. The Supreme Court, a preposterous uh, argument by, uh, by the Chief Justice of the United States. It's as if he's, uh, it, it, it's not even a first-year law student argument. Wisconsin, no, a federal judge cannot make changes to the election laws. Pennsylvania, he, he abdures because he says, well, you know, uh, uh, that's a state court. Let me ask you a question. I asked it to Judge Starr. He was absolutely right. Does the Constitution say under this article of the Constitution that state courts can get involved, or is it a federalism issue, or is it just black and white, and they say no, the legislature? Well, actually, binding Supreme Court precedent from 1892 says that state courts cannot get involved. Um, this is a federal election, and that's important. There are a lot of things that the federal courts shouldn't get involved with, but they seem to get involved with anyway, like you know, abortion restrictions and, and uh, health care guidelines of abortion clinics. That should be left up to the states, but they, they have no problem getting involved. Yet when it comes to a federal election, you can't have individual state Supreme Courts tampering with it, as they did in Florida in 2000 and, and in Pennsylvania today, because then we just have chaos. I mean, the founders saw this coming. What we're missing on the Supreme Court is a, is a good chief justice. You know, we had Rehnquist in the Florida case, and he was superb. And now we have Roberts, who is, uh, who's gone Hollywood. He's gone Georgetown. You know, he likes, they like to be with the pretty people, like the Thomas Friedman family and so forth, and at the Kennedy Center. So he is a huge problem. Uh, he needs to spend a little bit more time in the library, reading the Constitution, a little less time at the Kennedy Center and in the uh, Georgetown cafes. All right, my friend, Daniel Horowitz of The Blaze. It's an excellent piece. I want to thank you. Keep it up, sir. Take care. God bless. All right, you too. It's very important, these topics. That's why the left goes nuts. That's why they hate me. What, what did he say? He, 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 he wants the state assembly to put its will in over the people? This is how it works, you see. Over the people. I don't know. What do you think they would say if it was mostly mail-in votes from Republicans? What do you think they'd do with themselves? They'd all turn themselves into fake tapper. By the way, what a putz that guy is. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That look on his face. I mean, that look on, on his face looks like he is gangrene on his appendages, Mr. Producer. That, that, is, that, is, that is one ugly look. Nothing, nothing personal, with all due respect. Uh, but uh, then there's a piece in USA Today. This is fascinating to me. Fact check. State legislators pick electors. Supreme Court ruled against faithless electors. Who is talking about faith, faceless, uh, faithless electors? Saying, who is this idiot writing this piece in USA Today? And how did it get past a, uh, a fact checker? Who is it? Oh, it's Erwin Cherimsky. Isn't that who it is, Mr. Producer? Dean of the University of California Berkeley School of Law, I believe. But it may not be him. It might be somebody else. Well, I copy, you know, I Xerox, uh, excuse me, I printed this, and I don't know who the... Uh... Oh, excuse me, it's by Chelsea who? Chelsea Cox, the famous Chelsea Cox. Never heard of her. The uncertainty over which candidate would secure the required number of electoral college votes 
for the presidency ended Saturday after Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden won in battleground states Pennsylvania and Nevada. Biden has earned 290 votes, 20 more than the required 270 versus 214 for his opponent, President Trump, according to USA Today. Well, there you have it. It's over. USA Today called the election. Despite the popular vote tally, the states have the final say in choosing electors, and by extension, the president-elect, according to a claim on Facebook. A claim on Facebook? Quote, reminder to the Republic. This, this post that I put up is driving the left nuts to the point where they continue to lie about it. But it's driving them nuts. I mean, nuttier than they are. Including Chelsea Cox. Reminder to the Republican state legislatures. You have the final say over the choosing of electors. Not any board of elections, secretary of state, governor, or even court. You have the final say. Article 2 of the federal constitution. So get ready to do your constitutional duty. Conservative radio and television host Mark Levin posted to his Facebook page on November 5. I'm just saying what's in the Constitution. Levin has hosted the Mark Levin Show on talk radio programs since the early 2000s. He counts fellow Fox News host Sean Hannity and conservative commentator Rush Limbaugh among his peers. Levin also hosts a show on Fox, Life, Liberty, and Levin, according to his website. A lawyer, so obviously she listens to the show a lot, doesn't she, Mr. Producer? According to my website, I have a Fox show. No, it's according to reality, I have a Fox show. A lawyer, Levin, once served as chief of staff to Attorney General Edwin Meese III during the Reagan administration, according to the Washington Post. USA Today reached out to Levin for comment. Mr. Producer, did they reach out to you? How did they reach out to me? I never heard from these people. Maybe they reached out to... uh, to some bureaucracy uh, in one of the companies that I work for, but I never saw them reaching out to me. The claim implies an elector can vote for the candidate who lost the popular vote. Is that what I said, Mr. Producer? That an elector can vote for the candidate who lost the popular vote? Did I say that anywhere? Anywhere? At any time? I'm talking about the state legislature, not an elector. So I don't even have to go beyond this. Chelsea Cox, reading is fundamental. You're illiterate. You're a moron. I'm not encouraging electors to go out half-cocked on their own. I'm talking about the state legislature. And the reason you lie, and the reason the others lie, is because you do not have a good argument. When it comes to the Constitution's black-letter law, as we call it, it's not even complicated. You don't even have to figure out what the words mean. The text on, the, on its face is sufficient. Except, of course, if you're a liberal justice on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court or a moron writing for USA Today or Mother Jones or Vox or the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes or any other half-wit who believes, I'm in a profession called journalism. Oh, I really am. No, you're not. You're a schmuck. I'll be right back. Hillstock College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. 
And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. Now, Hillsdale continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Don't forget to join me on my podcast. You need to to have that in your back pocket. It's so simple. Go to marklevinshow.com. You click on the audio rewind button. It's at the middle of the homepage. It's at the top of the middle of the homepage. Click that. You'll go to the podcast page, and then I recommend you sign up for Apple Podcast. You can also sign up for Stitcher and Google Podcast. In other words, you'll get the app. It'll be on your iPhone or whatever cell, cell phone device you have. Uh, you just download it, and you have it with you. And you can listen to this program whenever you want. Let's say you get busy and you can't hear it, or your local station foolishly preempts it or it is tape delayed or whatever, you become your own program director. But in any event, it's a good alternative to have. For some people, it's their primary source. Also, uh, for, for now on, on this program and on our sites, we will be calling Facebook Farcebook. F-A-R-C-E book. Farcebook. I just posted that on Farcebook. Let's see if we are uh, censored, Mr. Producer. Because Zuckerberg is intellectually and politically corrupt. Through and through. And there's a fantastic piece at justthenews.com by John Solomon. And I want to strongly encourage you to take a look at it. I believe I posted this, Mr. Producer. Under a microscope during a Senate hearing two years ago, Farsbook founder Mark Zuckerberg insisted the key to detecting those trying to influence elections, including foreigners, was transparency. But his own influence on the 2020 election, an unprecedented $350 million gambit to route money through the nonprofit Center for Tech and Civic Life to local election districts across the country, remains shrouded in secrecy because the group won't release the amounts and timing of its grants. The group provided Just the News a link to a spreadsheet listing some 2,500 localities scattered among red and blue states that it granted money to in 2020 to help turn out voters during a pandemic. But it refused repeated requests to provide the amounts and the dates of the grants to each district. Why? Gee, why do you think? Because they gave pittance to the, to the precincts in the Republican areas, and they gave a ton to those in the Democrat area. The latter data is necessary to calculate per capita spending in each community and determine whether the group has favored Democrats or Republicans with its grant making. What's wrong, Zuckerberg? Why won't you release the information so a third party can analyze it? 
Early information obtained through open records requests and lawsuits has created concerns among conservative activists that the group used Zuckerberg's money <coughs> excuse me, to benefit big blue urban areas and to dictate voter turnout outcomes. For instance, official government memos from Wisconsin show the city of Racine, a reliable Democrat-led enclave in an otherwise red-leaning county in southeastern Wisconsin, was given an initial 100000 grant from the group to develop a COVID voting plan for itself and for other communities. What do you need a COVID voting plan? Put the damn mask on and stand six feet away. It's like when you're in the men's room. You have the mask on and you stand six feet away. You're at a line. You stand, but what do you need? You need hundreds of millions of dollars to do that? Isn't it amazing? They say uh, the Trump supporters and Republicans, most of them voted in person. Yes, most of us did. And we're doing okay. The other communities are all Democrat strongholds. Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Kenosha. $100,000 in planning grants from, from the Center for Tech and Civic Life, that group. It's supposed to be a nonprofit group for planning safe and secure election administration in the city of Racine. And it goes on and on and on. So what Zuckerberg did with hundreds of millions of dollars as he salted it around the country, gave just enough to Republican areas so you could say, well, look at this, I'm a, I'm a bipartisan fellow. Really, I am, Senators. I'm very bipartisan, I'm very open, we're very transparent over here. We even have third parties like PolitiFact and, and Reuters and other left-wing goons out there. I mean, uh, operations out there. And uh, they determine who's telling the truth and whether something's false. F you, you jerk. You jerk. Farce book. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Joe Biden today, but I want you to listen to the NBC reporter, Mike Memoli, or Mamoli. I want you to listen to this. And he's still in Delaware, still in a press conference, where he's like, uh, he's like an out-of-power guy claiming to be president. It's unbelievable. But listen to this question. Just listen to it. Cut to go. Thank you, Mr. President-elect. During the campaign, you said you were not naive about how difficult it would be to unite the country. It's now three days after you were projected as the president-elect. The president himself says he has won this election. His own administration has not moved forward to give you access to what you need to do to begin the work of your transition. Just a few minutes ago, the secretary of state, when asked if he would cooperate, 
with a smooth transition. He said there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. I wonder if you have a message for the president who may well be watching right now. And how do you expect to be able to work with Republicans when so many have thus far refused to even acknowledge their All right, history? stop there. you believe this? We have the most corrupt, contemptible media on the face of the earth. And I'll tell you why. Worse than even the state media and fascistic and communist regimes. Because individuals like this punk are destroying our First Amendment. They are destroying our free speech. They are destroying freedom of the press. Things that have been fought for by men and women who have died for this country. They've carried flags in the war. They've embraced our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. Just listen to this kind of pablum. It is absolutely appalling. What does he say? Go ahead. Well, first of all, uh, we are already beginning the transition. We're well underway. And uh, the ability uh, for uh, the administration in any way by failure to recognize this our win uh, does not uh, change the dynamic at all. In what by we're the way, isn't to. it amazing he's doing this once or twice a day, yet during the campaign he was holed up in the basement, Mr. Producer? Did the virus go away? I thought the virus is worse now. And by the way, we have a lot more testing, a lot more cases, and a lot less death. They're not reporting that on the news. I listen on the radio. My God, we have record cases. We have record cases. Okay. What's the mortality rate? They won't tell you. Actually, have to go look it up. You actually have to go look it up. But this guy's not a reporter. I won't say what he is because I'll get thrown off radio. But you know what he is. But he wasn't done impressing the El Presidente-elect, Joe Maduro Biden. Cut three, go. Give response to Secretary Pompeo. And I also, <laughs> I also wonder, you warned during the campaign that as the walls closed in on the president, he would behave more erratically. Yesterday, he fired his defense secretary on Twitter. Are you worried that he's disabling the government? And... What are you saying to the world leaders who are calling you at this point? About this, is, this, is, this is incredible. Let's try this one, too. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm always open to guests. Would you invite NBC reporter Mike Mamello, or whatever his name is, on the program, please? And tomorrow, report back on these two wonderful invitations that I've put out for these two outstanding human beings to be heard by millions and millions of people. I just want to know what school he went to. I'm so impressed. Then there was another reporter in Delaware today. And uh, here's how... Here's how <laughs> Can you imagine if Trump got questions like this? Here they go. Cut four, go. Sir, what do you say to the Americans that are anxious over the fact that President Trump has yet to concede and what that might mean for the country? Isn't that, isn't that remarkable? Tomorrow's day seven. Not day 37 like Gore with Bush. Day 7. If these lawsuits are frivolous, if there's not enough fraud out there to make a difference, why are they in a rush? Why are they creating this hysteria to try and pressure Supreme Court justices? That's possible. To try and affect the national psyche? Definitely possible. 
to try and give the impression that Biden's president, even though we're not done in the process, he could wind up be, but we're not done. That's certainly the case. It's the same media gaggle, ladies and gentlemen, before the election that exists after the election. Go ahead. Um, I just think it's an embarrassment. Um, so it's an embarrassment, to... ladies and gentlemen, that the president of the United President's following all the rules in every state. He didn't create the rules. In many cases, the Democrats did. There's canvassing that goes on to make sure the machines, the software, and the rest of it, the people work properly. Followed by automatic recounts in some of these states that are extremely close or recounts that can be requested by the Trump campaign. They're pursuing that. They can also bring lawsuits under Bush v. Gore about equal protection, lawsuits about fraud and a pattern of fraud, other types of lawsuits, which is what they're doing. They're going in front of courts that will adjudicate these matters. They're following the law. They're following the rules. They're following the Constitution. Joe Biden is not. Joe Biden is not. Joe Biden is claiming to be the president-elect. He may be, but he's not yet. It doesn't matter what NBC declares. It doesn't matter what any news organization declares. And they can say that we've counted the votes and he'll be the next president. Fine, but they ought to have a little footnote. But we don't make that decision ultimately. There is a process for that. But we counted the votes and listen. But they won't even say that. So Joe Biden has somebody make a poster for him and puts it behind him as he goes out and speaks once or twice a day, as I say, more than he ever did during the campaign. And he gets these questions. Hey, uh, Mr. Biden, yeah, you have a good breakfast? Actually, I did. I had my usual uh, cream of wheat and oatmeal, and as you know, it drips down my chin onto my loafers, but we take care of that. Next question. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Well, that's a very good question. Seven or eight? Oh. Like your coffee black, some sugar, half and half. What, what, what do you like? You want to know the truth? A little bit of schnobs. <laughs> but I never tell anybody. Oh, okay. President-elect Biden. Yes, yes. Thanks for coming out to talk to us. We know you have an enormously busy schedule. And, and we so appreciate you coming out to talk to us. That's oh, okay, little fella. Hey, President, uh, President-elect Biden, yeah. What do you think of that bastard Trump and his kids and, uh, and, uh, and all the tax violence? What, what do you think of and, uh, and, 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 and the Russia collusion? And everything? What do you think about that? Isn't that a problem, President-elect Biden? See, always put a question mark and raise your voice at the end because then it makes it sound like you're inquiring. Don't you hate these people? Don't you despise them? Of course you do. They're destroying your country. They have a job to do and they're not doing it. They are destroying your country. Bunch of ideological bastards, fresh out of college. And this is what they've taught and this is what they're doing. Guys like Jay Rosen, New York University as I recall, leftist. This is what they're teaching these pukes. You need to get in there and be leftists. Oh, excuse me. Public activists, community activists. You can't just report on a story. You've got to move the story along. You've got to put it in context. Otherwise, we never would have had a civil rights movement. Excuse me? What does that have to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We never would have won World War II. What the hell are you talking about, Jay? J. 
Jay's just another a-hole on the public payroll. May I say that? An apple hole is what I mean, of course. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Quote from the Washington Times, it's an indisputable fact that the media stole the election. The American electorate was intentionally kept in the dark. During the height of the scandal surrounding Hunter Biden's foreign dealings, the media and the big tech companies did everything in their power to cover it up. Those words come from a dear friend of the show and of mine, Brent Bozell, founder and chief muckety-muck of the Media Research Center. Brent, how are you, sir? Good, Mark. How are you doing? Very, very well. Expand on this, the media's role in trying to defeat the president. Well, let's go, let's go through some numbers. Um, this, this is something that we could trace back four years. But let's look just at the Hunter Biden laptop story. It broke on October 14th. The New York Post reported it. This laptop contained all the evidence one needed, I think, probably to indict um, uh, Biden. For, for his activities in China. Um, it has all the material, the, the phone conversations, the emails, the discussions about payoffs, everything you need to know. It was bigger than anything, I think. I mean, remember the Richard Nixon Watergate scandal and, and the Rosemary Wood eight-and-a-half-minute tape and how that brought down the president. This is a 100 times bigger than that. So you would expect nonstop media coverage of this. You would expect them not just to be covering the story, but investigating the story. Look how they investigated Donald Trump for four years nonstop on hoaxes that didn't exist. So what was the coverage? For the next two weeks, the networks devoted 113 hours to news coverage. Within that 113 hours, the total amount of coverage given to the laptop, are you ready? 21 minutes. That is shocking. It didn't exist. Now let's take it to the next step. Thursday, October 28th, Thursday night, October 28th, on the eve, right before the second presidential debate, Tony Bublinski appears on the Tucker Carlson show for one hour. He corroborates 
the laptop as being honest. He corroborates the emails that went back and forth between he and Hunter Biden. He talks about all the phone conversations that were had. He talks about the meetings he had with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. That one-hour interview is absolutely explosive. The next day, what was the coverage of it? Absolutely nothing from the network news. Nothing other than to dismiss the president for bringing it up during the debates. So it never existed. Now, why is all this important? And just two examples we're giving here. Why is all this important? We took a survey after the elections, on the night of the elections, and asked Democrats if they knew about the Hunter Biden story. A full 36% of Democrats knew nothing about the Hunter Biden story. Democrats, remember, they rely on these networks for their news. Mm -hmm. 36% of Democrats knew nothing about the Hunter Biden story. Further, 4.6% of Democrats said they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known this story. We then took that 4.6% and we spread it across the electoral landscape. Guess what? Had they known this story, Joe Biden would not have carried Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and the Trump lead would have been definitive in North Carolina. Meaning what? meaning that Donald Trump would have won 289 electoral votes and would be the re-elect president of the United States. That's amazing, and you make an incredibly compelling case. Uh, and they and knew exactly, they knew what they were doing, didn't they, Brian? This isn't, Mark, this isn't a one and done. This yeah. isn't uh, somebody at some network uh, missing something one night. This is something that has been going on night after night after night for four years. This is the flip side to what everyone talks about when they talk about the 92%, the 93%, the 94% monthly negative coverage of the president. We've done those reports every single month. That's the bias by commission where they have been attacking the president 92, 93, 94% of the time. But when you're doing that, you're also engaging in the politics of the bias by omission, where you're not reporting that which would be helpful to the president, either something good that he did or something bad that his opponent did. This is the bias by omission, which I think is so much more dangerous, and we see it with this. With this one issue alone, I can tell you now, we're going to be, we're, we're tabulating the numbers still, so I don't have the numbers to give, but we will have them, I think, on Monday. We're going to show this wasn't the only issue. There were, in fact, a handful of issues, each of which, had the media reported them, um, Donald Trump would be uh, getting ready. We, for we really do not have anything close to a free press in this country, do we? Have, we, have, we have a bunch of uh, left-wing Democrat ideologues. Yeah, they, they, they made no bones about what they wanted to do this time around. You know, in times past, there has been bias, distortions, and that sort of stuff. But this has been nonstop since it came down the escalator in May of 2015. This how how, how long has MRC been around? 
since uh, the fall of 1987. 1987. So 33 years by my fast math here. Have you ever in your life, in the 33 years of your organization, seen anything like this? No, no, and I, and I suspect that if we went further than our 33 years, nobody living today could point to another, st- another time in, in anyone's lifetime mm-hmm. uh, where the media have behaved this way. Never, never. I never, you know, I ne- <laughs> Mark, I never thought that I would rue the good old days of Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you guys do a tremendous job. Please keep it up now more than ever, given, uh, given yeah. what's going on in this country, the lies about the Constitution. I only have about a minute. Let me ask you. When you say Joe Biden standing in front of their own sign saying uh, President-elect Biden or President-to-be uh, Biden, does this look like a, it's sort of a, a, a tyranny? I mean, the guy, does, does he not know how the system works? I got 30 seconds. They know he knows exactly what he's doing, but even worse than that, he knows what he can get away with, and he knows that the media wouldn't dare bring up the fact that this is fraudulent advertising on his part. They do these things because they can. Brent Bozell, thank you, my friend. Check out the Media Research Center, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll see you next time. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. They call him Mr. Right, Mr. Conservative, and Mr. Constitution. But you can call him Mark at 877-381-3811. This is Radio Free America, where we resist Marxism, socialism, Democrats, and our corrupt media. Oh, and the Maduro wannabe Biden. Oh, yes. I will not unite behind tyranny and totalitarianism. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Over 100 people have already signed up, and they have a great group of speakers lined up. Listen to this. You just heard him, the great MRC President Brent Bozell, actor Dean Cain. Maybe you can get him to do a dance and a song for you. Former Senator and Presidential Candidate Rick Santorum. I know he'll dance and sing. He's a good man. Uh, and he'll give you some verses from the Bible, you know. He really has a, uh, like a, I don't know, like like a photographic main, a, a brain when it comes to these things. Fox News contributor Charlie Hunt, 
syndicated columnist Cal Thomas, Breitbart co-founder Larry Solov, and many others. You can see the full lineup at mrccruise.com. Think about how nice it'll be to get away in February with like-minded people and wonderful, wonderful hosts who can, uh, who can engage with you and talk about so many great things. Just go to mrccruise.com or give us a call at 888-MRC-TRIP, 888-MRC-TRIP, or mrccruise.com. The Tax Prof blog is actually a great blog, Tax Prof blog. And he said, uh, following up on my previous post, Adam Bonicha, Stanford, Adam Chilton, Chicago, Kyle Rosima, Northwestern, and Maya Sen, Harvard, the Legal Academy's Ideologically Uniformity, uh, they did a study. According to Federal Election Committee filings, data analyzed by the news, six... 11, 611 current Yale law professors, excuse me, let me get it straight, 611 current Yale professors and lecturers have donated $200 or more, the minimum donation amount that is publicly disclosed to individual political groups and campaigns over the past seven years while employed by the university. Of these donors, less than 3% donated to Republican-affiliated candidates and groups. Less than 3%. 11,526 donations went to Democrat-affiliated groups, totaling 2,196,000. Groups that donate to both Democratic and Republican candidates received 223 donations. And just 65 donations, totaling $20,861, went to Republican candidates and groups. 558 individuals donated, and it goes on. So political contributions of the Yale faculty, 97% to Democrats, 3% to Republicans. This is why your kids are screwed up. This is why you have people in the street burning stuff. They're all hardcore left wing. Some of them obviously are Marxist. And I'm reading now, you know, as as I'm uh, researching and studying these various topics, many of them promote violence in the classroom and you don't even, you're not aware of it. You're paying for these schools through your tax dollars. You're helping your kid or paying their tuition. You're paying for this. You're paying for the destruction of America. It's, it's a shocking thing. And this has to stop. Or, it's, or, or the rest of the, or the other stuff is going to continue. So I have clips here from James Clyburn. You know, they want us to unite with them, but they hate our guts. Chris Coons, he's the, uh, the, the little nimrod from uh, Delaware, uh, Yes, uh, they hate Trump, which means they hate you. John Brennan, that reprobate, he's still on uh, CNN. He says we should invoke the 25th Amendment. Uh, What a a dunce. Um, We have reports in Las Vegas that dead people were voting. May I ask you a question, Mr. Producer? Why do dead people vote 100% Democrat? What's with that? Why are dead people Democrats? I, I just don't get it. But it's clear they are. Then they drag out this putz, Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes, if you read Unfreedom of the Press, and I cite him, I believe it's in the Washington Post, lied and schemed through his teeth for this Iran deal. And many reporters knew it, and they had no problem with it. He is as low as the low lives crawl. He's among the worst of the worst. He really is. Just awful. He was Deputy National Security Advisor 
to Obama, and these people come back. So all these Obama people and the worst of the Clintonoids and their hemorrhoids, they all come back, and now they're going to secrete themselves within the federal government in order to destroy your lives. But don't worry, it's time to unite. Time to unite, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and there's going to be Fauci, no question. Little fella. Listen, uh, wear your masks, stay inside. Don't have sex. If you're going to eat, use a straw. It's better if you wear rubber gloves. You don't have rubber gloves, then uh, put condoms on your fingers. You got to do something out there. You really do. I've been doing this, in this current spot, 37 years, 50 years in the federal government. I know more reporters who are going to defend me against anybody and everything. Joe and I worked together in a fabulous way in 2009 on the swine flu. We almost got it right, even though we got everything wrong. And I love Joe. He's stupid as a doorknob, and he'll repeat anything I tell him to say. Follow the science. If I follow the science, I'm going to have to commit the insane bastard. He's a psycho. There he is in front of the TV. Once or twice a day with that stupid sign behind him. President-elect of what, Guatemala? There he is, his eyes squinting. You can tell he used to wear those glasses to cover up the eye job he had. Eye job, hair job. And the rest of us get a screw job. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But at least I won't have to report to Trump anymore. That guy, boy, he made me work. He made me work. Yeah, you know, like I've never had to work before in my 37 years as the nation's top infectious virus bureaucrat. Now, you may wonder how I got to stay here 37 years. 50 years, I might add, in the federal government. I have three years on Biden. Because I know how to claw my way to the top and stay there. I know how to cut the legs out from anybody who dares to try and get this job. Look at me. I'm 80 years old. Look at Pelosi. She's 80 years old. Look at Biden. He's 78 years old. When we meet together, the average age is 79 and a half. We're not going anywhere here. Wear a mask. What the hell's wrong with you? Vaccine. That vaccine won't be ready till 2021. Maybe 2020. Remember that, Mr. Producer? He said it won't be widely available. He's wrong about everything, this guy. Every damn thing. Every damn thing. He's just wrong. Don't wear masks. Do wear masks. You don't have to wear masks. Wear masks all the time. Go to school. Don't go to school. It's like the flu. It's not like the flu, damn it. Oh, Fouch. It's the Fouch. It's like Confucius. Oh, oh, whatever he says. No, it's more like Jim Jones. Him and Cuomo and Biden. More like Jim Jones. Now, Biden, if he should win, God forbid, it's an uphill battle to stop him, but it's a battle that must be fought. Can you imagine Biden would be thinking or is thinking of, if God forbid, Cuomo as Attorney General? 
Rather than being attorney general, shouldn't he be running from the attorney general? This guy, I'll just say it, is a serial killer of senior citizens in nursing homes. And if the SOB wants to take me on in court, I'll kick him in the gonads. I have no problem with it, legally, of course. Can you imagine discovery in that case, Mr. Producer? The texts and the emails and the depositions. Can you imagine? The whole thing would blow up in his face. And I wouldn't settle either. I don't settle. I don't settle anything. Yes. His attorney general. Why don't they make him the uh, Surgeon General of the United States? He did such a good job. Give him a suit. Don't they give, they give those guys suits? They call them generals. He'll like that. He can walk around like the Surgeon General of the United States. Talks like Forrest Gump. Oh, it'll be very unique, very interesting. Like that guy in the commercial, Mr. Obvious. Remember him? Give him his little, uh, his little sailor's hat. You know, you give uh, third graders when they're walking around uh, Disney World. Yeah, he can walk. He can have his little... What's that? Captain Obvious. Yes. Except in his case, it's Captain Not Obvious. So, it's amazing. Fauci, you know, the uh, governor, the governor of New York, he, he did the best job. Only 11,000 killed in nursing homes. I'm telling you, this, this is a good guy. I told him, you know, don't, don't put those people who have the coronavirus in with the elderly. But he said, look, I followed Ezekiel uh, Emanuel, you know, they're well over the age of, uh, of livability without us, you know, subsidizing them. So our resources can go better, you know, taxpayer financed abortions. That would be a better use of our money. At least we'll be saving a lot. Well, wait a minute. I guess we won't be. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I see uh, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, the Maoist genocidal regime in Beijing, are very excited about Joe Biden. They kind of like his style, declaring himself president before all the votes are counted and so forth. He's going right, to go right back to the Iran deal and blow up the Middle East. He's going to go back to his friends in communist China, who are going to take enormous advantage of us. So we're going to continue to fight, continue to fight, use the Constitution and the rule of law against these thieves, 
who put in place election laws to steal the election. That's what they did. And I hope every host on every cable channel is listening to me. Because you're ignorant and you're not paying attention to what's been taking place. Or you're an ideologue. Or you just want to feel good among your your peers. They changed the laws in a number of these states to advance the cause of fraud. And they institutionalized this fraud. No signatures, no signature comparisons, no postal dates. Republicans are not free to watch the count of the balloting. Democrat areas where their ballots were cured if there were mistakes. Republican areas where they were not told they could. And in fact, it was illegal in the state of Pennsylvania. All this stuff. Hey, where's the evidence of fraud? He, he, where's the evidence of fraud? We don't see a memo that says 412,000 ballots were stolen. Hey, their minds are limited. Their ideology is expansive. Some of the stupidest people who walk on earth or walk on all fours or in our newsrooms. And very thin skin too. They're funny looking people. Very thin skin. Uh, but boy, do they like to throw the rhetorical Molotov cocktails. That's why you hate them. So any so-called journalist out there, I have a question for you. If you're in court fighting to eliminate safeguards like signatures or signature comparisons or postal dates, or if you're curing ballots in blue areas and not red areas, what do you call all that? What do you call all that? And why is that party doing all these things? They can't answer it, and they're not going to. Hey, the Lincoln Project, a.k.a. the John Wilkes Booth Project, with the mobsters who fund it and the mobsters who are running it, they're now trying to intimidate and threaten the lawyers who are involved in the litigation. Now that means to me any lawyer who presently is employed by or works for, in some fashion, the Lincoln Project, a.k.a. the John Wilkes Booth Project, is committing an ethical violation. And folks, anybody can file an ethics complaint against any of these guys. You're filing it with the, with the Ethics Committee of the Supreme Court of the state. Lawyers are not free to intimidate other lawyers who they disagree with. And that's exactly what's taking place here. So you should look who's connected to the Lincoln Project, a.k.a. the John Wilkes Booth Project, see if any of them are licensed lawyers, and then make the point that these so-called licensed lawyers are using this organization an enormous amount of money to try and intimidate and threaten members of the bar, other lawyers who are involved in litigation and investigations. That is unethical. They're pressuring, among others, Ronald Hicks and Caroline McGee. From what I hear, this Ronald Hicks is not impressive. I think he's from Jones Day. He's not impressive. I don't know anything about Caroline McGee. So this Ronald Hicks needs to get his act together. But I'm not talking about whether I think they're top lawyers or not. I'm talking about you don't get to intimidate lawyers this way. Because you disagree with them and you disagree with their client. So the Lincoln Project, a.k.a. the John Wilkes Booth Project, any lawyers connected with that should have their license checked, in my humble opinion. But what do I know? I'm just a little country lawyer. Not really. 
the Lincoln Project. They take Abraham Lincoln's name and they bastardize it. They bastardize it. All right. Two requests. As my wife likes to say, I have an ask. I don't really like that phrase. I have an ask for you. Okay, what is it? Anyway, two things. This is beneficial to all of us. Please download the podcast. You never know when you need it. MarkLevinShow.com. Mark, L-E-V-I-N Show.com. That's the mothership website that I own. You go there. You'll be on the homepage. Click on Audio Rewind at the middle of the top of the page and download one of the podcasts. And join us at Parlor. That's Parlor at Mark Levin Show. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We shall overcome. Join the new resistance. We're a peaceful resistance. Not mostly peaceful, utterly and completely peaceful. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.